in our everyday life, there are so many distractions. If you're not liking the emotion or the thought that's going on in your head, it's easy to pick up the phone and distract yourself on social media or to turn Netflix on and start watching TV so that you don't have to be present in your mind. But when you're practicing mindfulness and you're sitting in that space for 5, 10, 20 minutes, you have to sit in that stillness. And when uncomfortable feelings come up, instead of trying to push them away and trying to distract yourself, just learning the value of sitting with the emotions and knowing that you're in a safe space and really feeling them until they start to pass through again. UC Health presents The Every Podcast. We're taking our signature wellness event, Every, which was created with the goal of providing inspiration for every woman and bringing that conversation to your podcast style. I'll talk with some of the best and brightest women in their fields about real life issues women face every day from work-life balance, stress, mental health, menopause, sex, blended families, relationships, the list goes on and on because we're really trying to balance it and find our new normal in all of this stuff. I'm your host, Gloria Neal, and like many of you, I have worn many professional hats, everything from being a news anchor, a TV reporter, a voiceover talent, public speaker, moderator, and a public servant. I'm currently the Director of Public Affairs in the Mayor's Office in Denver, and thank you so much for tuning in. The goal for this podcast and everyone just like it is to help every one of you live your best life, no matter where you are starting your journey. Oh, with that, meditating. I'm not good at it at all, (laughs) at least yet, because I usually end up thinking about my grocery list about 10 seconds into clearing my mind. It's very hard. We've all heard about mindfulness and meditation. The new mindfulness apps pop up daily, but what actually is mindfulness and why is it good for you? As we heard from Erin, a certified yoga instructor, mindfulness has helped her better deal with her emotions. But according to our guest today, Dr. Meredith Shefferman, a specialist in mindfulness, the list of benefits is endless. Meredith is a licensed psychologist at the UC Health Center for Integrative Medicine and sees patients from the neurology department, midwifery, patients dealing with chronic pain, and so much more. With that, welcome, Meredith. Thank you. Nice to be here. Good to have you here. So let's start by explaining what mindfulness is and what the difference is between mindfulness and meditation. You got it. So mindfulness is the practice of bringing your full attention into the present moment and without judgment. Sounds easy enough, right? Pay attention. (laughs) Non-judgmentally. However, in actuality, that couldn't be further from what we're actually doing. Our our bodies might be here, but our minds are off on our grocery lists or, you know, the things that we're doing this weekend or all the things we have to get done. Right. And so mindfulness helps you to learn to focus your attention into the present moment and to make room for whatever that present moment is, whether it's pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, whatever it might be. So that's kind of the overarching definition of mindfulness. Meditation is a specific way to practice mindfulness. Mm. So there are lots of different ways that you can be mindful. 
but meditation is the formal practice that's used to help you really tune into the present moment. So mindfulness is the umbrella and meditation is underneath that umbrella. Exactly. It's a vehicle for practicing mindfulness. And I hear people say this all the time. They talk about, you know, I feel better after I've meditated or I feel better after I get in touch with breathing and my breath and all of that. Does mindfulness or even meditation, does that help you with things like pain and hypertension and depression? Absolutely. There's been extensive research over the last decade, really an explosion of research showing all the benefits of mindfulness meditation, whether that's for pain reduction, stress reduction, helping with anxiety and depression, lots of benefits for various medical illnesses such as hypertension, heart disease. So really lots of benefits of mindfulness. Exactly. It's amazing how something so free, prescriptions or not, can do what we need done, but we just don't know how to tune into it. Absolutely. It's easier to read the bottle, take a pill, and wait for it to take effect. Sure. As opposed to, let's start doing something, something we've always possessed, but we just didn't know how to use it. How to tap into it, right. Makes a lot of sense. So we all experience that sometimes daily when you think about just the stress of everything that we're doing from morning to sundown and then even beyond that. But We know that stress is the root of a lot of health problems physically and mentally. Talk a little bit more about that, Meredith, because especially after this pandemic or even still going through it, Mm -hmm. how do the two mesh? Stress has a tremendous impact on health, and we know that. When we get stressed, there's a flood of cortisol that's released in the brain, and cortisol, when there's a tiger chasing you, (laughs) it's helpful to get that boost of cortisol. It helps your body to fight or flee. However, when we're chronically in this state of stress and we're constantly being flooded by cortisol and other stress hormones, it produces inflammation in the body. It makes it so that your body is less able to be resilient. Your body gets tired. Our bodies aren't meant to be in a constant state of stress. It's supposed to be brief fight or flight. That's right. Like the tiger's gone or you've been eaten by the tiger and either (laughs) way it's over. Yes, exactly. exactly. However, in our modern day society, when we're constantly stressed, our bodies are just overwhelmed with cortisol and that makes us less able to fight off disease it causes greater inflammation in the body, which can lead to greater disease process. It can interfere with sleep. And of course, we need sleep to be healthy. So stress really is at the root of several different disease processes. That is so interesting. I look at stress like turbulence. Mm -hmm. You're in the airplane. It's moving the big old airplane, air, but you cannot see it. So you know you feel when somebody at work has irritated you or where there's this big report due, where you've got bad news to deliver, whatever it is, that stress is on you. And yet you cannot see it, but you can feel it. Right. And oftentimes we're just on autopilot mode. We're just going through the motions, going from thing to thing to thing, and we don't know that our shoulders are way up here or our jaw is clenched or we're not taking full deep breaths. And so mindfulness can help you start to recognize those signs of stress so that you can choose to respond differently rather than just mindlessly reacting in the moment. So in those moments, 
say, for instance, you, when you are stressed, and I'm assuming that it's become a habit now, do you check yourself? Yeah. So when I, you know, recognize that maybe my belly is clenched or my shoulders are up or my jaw is clenched, like, okay. Right. Take a breath, plant my feet on the floor. Remember, I'm here in this moment. Everything's okay. That's powerful. It's powerful because it is so beautifully simple and yet so doggone hard to do. Exactly. And the practice of mindfulness in and of itself isn't that difficult, but remembering to do it, making it a habit, that's the hard part. And that's what I often work with my patients on. What about what Aaron was talking about, using meditation to process your emotions? What does that process look like? Yeah. So in our society, no one likes to be uncomfortable. And difficult emotions such as sadness or anger or anxiety, that's uncomfortable. So we typically don't want to feel that. And so we run to distract from it, whether that be through Netflix or right. social media or Escape. yeah, or you know, having a drink or eating or whatever mm-hmm. it might be to to distract us from this discomfort. And when we do that habitually, we kind of train ourselves that we're not able to handle this. Whereas if we can sit with that discomfort, be with it, ride it out like we're surfing a wave and recognize that it's temporary, it's transient, it's not going to be here indefinitely. And the more we do that and we sit with that emotion and see like, oh, okay, this gradually calmed down. I'm okay. Nothing bad happened. Then we learn that we don't have to distract ourselves, that we can manage it. And then the more we learn to sit with our emotions the more confident we become in our ability to handle them. And we learn to find a sense of self-compassion about it. You know what? It's amazing as I listen to you talk because I'm hearing my takeaway is we slow down, we pay attention Mm -hmm. to what is going on in our mind and in our bodies, taking control of the thoughts and emotions, not having them take control of you. Exactly. It's learning to respond intentionally versus just mindlessly reacting. And the more you practice that, the better you get at it, and the more natural it becomes. It just becomes your baseline. Well, I can tell you practice. (laughs) (laughs) I do. I try to practice what I preach. I can tell you practice. I came in here and she's smiling. I'm thinking either she just won the lottery or she meditates. (laughs) The latter. (laughs) That's right. Can you share some of what you do? Do you chant? Is it a breathing exercise? Do you use an app? And how long do you do it? Because I need some details. (laughs) Okay. I try to practice formal meditation most days. It doesn't always happen, but I try to do at least 15 or 20 minutes. Often I do use an app. I like to use guided meditation. And so there are tons of different meditation apps popping up each day. Some of my favorites are Insight Timer, Calm, 10% Happier. Those are kind of my go-to ones. And then sometimes if I don't feel like doing like a full 15 or 20-minute practice, then sometimes I'll just kind of plant my feet on the floor Mm -hmm. and take a few deep breaths. It doesn't have to be a 20- or 30-minute formal practice. And I think that's kind of what sometimes gets people feeling like, oh, I can't do this. I don't have time in my day. 
everyone has even 30 seconds to just kind of tune into the present moment, check in with their breath, feel your body in space. I always say if you have time to tinkle, you have time to meditate. Absolutely. And that's actually something that I really work with my patients on are potty break meditation. That's right. <laughs> we're all Again, doing that. we're multitasking. <laughs> exactly, but at least do it mindfully, right? Right. So even the practice that I'll guide you through today is just a quick three-minute practice that I call my bathroom break meditation. Okay. You can also practice mindfulness in the activities that you're already doing. You don't always have to carve out extra time in your day to meditate. You can be mindful in your activities. For example, when You're walking from your car in the parking lot to your office, if you're back in the office yet. Really paying attention to each footstep, the way that your foot hits the ground, the way that your legs shift weight as you move, the muscles in your core engaging, Mm. what are your arms doing? Paying attention to what you can see and hear and feel. Brushing our teeth is a great way to practice mindfulness, really noticing the taste of the toothpaste, Hmm. noticing the arm motion, the hand motions as you're brushing, noticing the sensations in your mouth, noticing the smell of your toothpaste. So mindfulness is just the opportunity to tap into the present moment, be aware of what you're doing, and you can do it with anything that you're already doing. You don't have to carve out extra time in your day. So I can see how mindfulness can be very useful when it comes to effective parenting. But what about your kids? Do you teach your kids mindfulness techniques? Absolutely. So I often will even just model mindfulness with my kids, saying, ooh, mommy's feeling really stressed and frustrated right now. I'm going to take a deep breath to calm myself down. You don't do like the rest of us where we're like, you know what, leave me alone. Oh, trust me, I do that sometimes too. And then I go and do a meditation. (laughs) There will be an incident if you do not leave this bathroom. And sometimes it backfires because sometimes my kids will even be like, Mommy, you need to go do a meditation. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, I do. And let's do this together. So first of all, just modeling, like naming the emotion, Mm -hmm. naming like, ooh, I'm feeling really stressed right now. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling like I want to yell. You don't want mad mommy voice. (laughs) Let's take a deep breath. And I'll have the kids take a breath with me. Sometimes if they're totally freaking out and Mm -hmm. like, okay, let's sit down on the floor, feel your legs on the ground, take a few deep breaths, tell me what you can see around you, tell me what you can hear, tell me what you feel against your skin. Mm. Is there anything you can smell? So really just kind of grounding them into the present moment helping them take a moment. And then I'll sometimes do yoga with my kids. That is awesome. So is yoga a form of mindfulness? And I always think sweat, if it is, sweat then is the byproduct (laughs) of how strong your focus is because whether it is yoga or whatever, the multitude, what is it, goat yoga or (laughs) little itty-bitty puppy yoga, whatever it is, all of those things, again, You're stretching your muscles, but you're also learning how to breathe with all these different movements. So yoga is another form of mindfulness. We talk about meditation as a form of mindfulness, and then yoga is definitely a form of mindfulness also because you're paying attention to what your body is doing. You're really tapping into your breath. And then, of course, at the end of yoga, the best part is the shavasana, and that is meditation right there. That is. Just feeling your body in space, connecting with your breath 
So yeah, yoga is another wonderful way to practice mindfulness. And for some of my patients who don't like to just sit still, more body-focused, movement-oriented practices can be helpful, whether that's yoga or taking a mindful walk or mm-hmm. running and really paying attention to your body's movement. Has there ever been a patient that stumped you, that could not do any of the things you were suggesting, and how did you handle that? I would say most people can do mindfulness. Mm -hmm. There are some patients that really don't like it Mm -hmm. or just (laughs) find it too difficult to just sit still. So for those individuals, we'll talk about ways to incorporate mindfulness into their lives in other ways besides just meditation. Maybe they're more active and they love to run. Mm-hmm. Great. Do it mindfully or mindful walking or yoga practices. Hmm. If meditation isn't your jam, then <laughs> we can figure out another way. But I want it to be my jam, Meredith. <laughs> so here's how my brain works. If you said glow. Let's meditate for one minute. So clear your mind. And so in my mind, this is my mind talking because I'm quiet because you've said let's meditate. So in my mind, it goes, okay, let's be quiet. Let's be quiet. Let's be quiet. You know that man last night in the movie theater, he was not quiet. He really worked my (laughs) nerves. This is so hard. Okay, focus. Focus, Gloria, focus. Okay, I'm coming back to the focus. You know what? I need to get my eyes checked because it seems a little, no, you're breaking the rules again. (laughs) You need to come back. And then by the time it's over, you know what? I'm stressed out (laughs) because I flunked the meditation test. How do you stop that from happening? So here's the thing. The goal isn't at all to clear your mind. I think that's where people get in trouble and they think like, oh, I can't do this. This isn't for me. I suck at this. (laughs) It's not about clearing your mind. You don't have to have this completely zen, clear mind to be (laughs) meditating. It's really just noticing that your mind is wandering and to be able to acknowledge like, oh, wow, there goes that train of thought. I just (laughs) jumped aboard. Come back. Notice and come back. Notice non-judgmentally. So you don't need to get frustrated that you're going to wander because that's what our minds do. That's what the human brain does. We have millions of thoughts a day. So the idea isn't at all to rid yourself of those thoughts. The goal is just to be aware of what's happening and come back. So notice and come back to the breath. Mm. Often we use the breath as your anchor because it's always with us. It's easy to find. Just noticing, oh, there's a thought. And even just labeling, thinking, come back to the breath. Planning. Come back to the breath. Judgment, frustration, whatever it is, just name it and then come back. And the more you do that, the more you practice that coming back, the stronger those neural connections in the brain get and the better able you are to notice like, oh, wow, I just totally jumped aboard that train. Right. And then you can get better at coming back. I got to say, just like a bottle of Aquaphor, you are soothing. Oh, thank you. Your voice is very, very soothing. So my guest today is Dr. Meredith Shefferman, a licensed clinical psychologist and an expert in mindfulness. We're going to take a break. But on the other side, how do you find time for mindfulness with all the things that women do? 
We talked a little bit about that, but she's really going to delve into it. Also, can mindfulness help with pain management and other tangible things that we feel on a daily basis? And then, yes, we will finish up with a brief moment of meditation right here on the Every Podcast. Stay with us. There's all kinds of meditation. I really think that meditation can be individual. It can be going on a run and letting your mind get clear and breathing deeply. It doesn't have to be this idea of sitting down and breathing and being silent. It can be for 30 seconds or it can be for an hour. I find a mix of things. So in the morning, I really like to do a guided meditation while I'm in bed about 10 minutes. And it's been a really great habit to start my day off in a positive way. And I think in the morning, I haven't started moving yet. Just gives your brain some positive attention for the day. Welcome back to the Every Podcast. And as we heard from Sam, who tries to meditate daily, there is no one way to practice mindfulness. It really comes down to what works for you. But we all live such busy lives. And many people, many of you, I'm sure, thinking, I just do not have the time for all of this meditation, mindfulness, yoga, stretching, breathing. But you do. I know for me, if I close my eyes long into five minutes, I might fall asleep. But that's just because you're thinking about, or at least I'm thinking about, all the things that I need to do, I haven't done, I could have done last night, but I was trying to sleep, but I couldn't turn my brain off. Clearly, you can tell I need meditation. (laughs) But how do you advise people about the importance of incorporating mindfulness into their lives, regardless of their schedules? I talk to patients a lot first about just the scientific findings about how effective mindfulness is. Because, yeah, I think anytime you're trying to add something else into your day, you're going to come up with all these reasons why you don't have the time for it. And unless you know that it really is going to help you, it's hard to start a new habit. And so first I'll just share the scientific research on mindfulness, which is plentiful, sharing that your brain literally changes when you practice mindfulness. What we know is that the part of the brain involved in the stress response, the amygdala, that's our fear center of the brain that you know activates that fight or flight, the neural connections there actually thin down. So your brain literally changes. Your amygdala becomes smaller, and then the prefrontal cortex, the more advanced part of your brain that's involved in planning, focus, concentration, decision-making, emotion management, compassion, that part of the brain actually increases. You get more neural connections there. Wow. Then for people living with pain, the way you perceive pain changes. So the part of the brain that's involved in pain, that actually doesn't change. So your amount of pain doesn't change. Mm -hmm. But the parts of the brain involved in perception of pain and the part of your brain that says, ugh, this sucks, I hate this, becomes less active. Wow. So, yes, you might have the pain, but you're not as stressed out by it. You're not as upset by it. So first, just providing the scientific context. This will actually work if you practice it. And then just talking with patients about ways to fit it into their busy schedule. It doesn't matter what time of day you practice, whether it's morning, night, noon, whatever. 
It's just when are you more likely to be able to fit it in? If you're a morning person, do it in the morning. If you're like me and you snooze until the last possible minute, (laughs) doing it in the evening. I also encourage people, if you keep forgetting to do it or you don't make the time to do it, add it on to something you're already doing. If you have a daily exercise routine, tack on five minutes at the end. Or presumably we all brush our teeth twice a day. Do a quick three-minute practice after you brush your teeth or after you eat breakfast. So kind of associating it with something that is already a habit so that you're more likely to remember to do it. What we are talking about really is so insightful and it is smart, Meredith, but Sam mentioned that during COVID, she wasn't able to go to class. She would create a safe, quiet space in her apartment with candles and a mat and just sit down and do a short audio guided session. But in building it into a practice, how do you recommend that people find the technique that works for them? It's kind of trial by error. It's really finding what works for you, trying different apps. I teach my patients tons of different types of mindfulness practices so that you can see what works for you. Some people love loving kindness meditation, which is a type of meditation. Other people find that maybe a little too like ooey gooey. Right. (laughs) And so, you know, they prefer to just to focus on their breath or to count their breaths or to add words like as you breathe in, in, as you breathe out, out, and Mm -hmm. kind of labeling. So there are so many different ways to do this, and it's really just about finding what works for you. Some people really like mantras where they repeat certain phrases over Mm -hmm. and over. Other people don't like that. There's, again, no right or wrong way to do it. Just do it. And what I love about what you said earlier, and I know we're going to have a meditating exercise coming up, but that breathing, you don't have to breathe in all deeply. Just be aware of how you're breathing in and out. Right. Feel yourself breathing. How can mindfulness help with managing anxiety with so many things that we don't know as it relates to COVID? Yeah, and I think as things are opening up again, people are excited about it, but we're also seeing a lot of anxiety about it. You know, for the past... Over a year, we've all been staying at home, wearing our masks, staying distanced, and now suddenly things are opening up again, and it's a little scary. Yeah, it is. Even if you are vaccinated. So say you're at the grocery store and someone's coughing, your mind is going to instantly go to the worst case scenario. Right. (laughs) We're all going to die. (laughs) And oh my gosh, it's like, calm down. Exactly. So anxiety really often lives in the future. We're worried about what if this happens. What if that happens? Going to worst case scenario. Or so anxiety often either lives in the future or in the past where you're kind of ruminating on like, oh, why did I say that? What was I thinking? Why did I choose to go to the grocery store? Why did I blah, 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 blah. Right. That's a really powerful statement. Anxiety often lives in the future. And you are right. Oh my God, I'm going to lose my job. What if I lose my job? I'm not going to be paid by mortgage. All of that stuff, it's like it hasn't happened and your blood pressure's up. Exactly, because our human brains are able to kind of project into the future, which is helpful in some ways and really not so helpful in a lot of other ways. Because so often we worry about things that never do come to pass. And so even to be able to acknowledge, okay, wow, I'm already predicting what's going to happen a month from now. Let's reel it in. Let's Mm -hmm. come back to this moment. Take a breath, calm your nervous system down, recognize, okay, this happened. 
I will handle whatever comes to pass. But right now, that's not happening. Shifting from what if to what actually is. And then naming what is right now. Okay, what is true right now is that I'm in the grocery store, I'm vaccinated, I have a mask on, that person is several feet away. Recognizing when your mind is kind of spiraling out of control and coming back to the present moment. Does mindfulness work in conjunction with spirituality? Absolutely. Originally, mindfulness was a spiritual practice, a Buddhist spiritual practice. It's become much more secular now, and it's been brought into mainstream Western society, Western medicine. But definitely, you can use this in conjunction with prayer. A lot of my patients do really just now use their prayer in a mindful way, Mm -hmm. connecting with whatever your higher power might be. That's what I am feeling, and not only feeling, I'm hearing. So helpful. So before we finish, Meredith, I would love you to teach me, lead me through Hmm. a brief meditation. And I want y'all to follow along, whether you're at home or at work, you'll have to take a break. And if you're in your car, just pull over. Don't do this while you're driving. No, no. That would really be leading to some stress, let me tell you. Exactly. But lead me. Okay. So I'm going to guide you through a practice called the three-minute breathing space. This is affectionately known as my bathroom meditation practice, something that's real quick. You can do it in three minutes. You can do it even in one minute or 30 seconds. So I want you to go ahead and find a comfortable position in your chair. Okay. Plant your feet on the floor. Mm Mm-hmm. And if you'd like to, you can close your eyes. If you prefer to keep them open, that works too. Just kind of pick a spot on the floor in front of you to focus your gaze. And the first minute of this practice is just awareness. So bringing your full awareness into the present moment. Noticing your body and space, your connection between your feet and the floor, your body with the chair. Notice any thoughts in the mind. Notice any emotions that you can tap into, where you can feel those emotions in your body. Just asking yourself the question, what am I noticing right now? Making room for whatever the answer to that question is, even if it's unwanted or unpleasant. It's here whether we like it or not. So we may as well try to make some space for it. And then the second minute of this practice is called gathering. So gathering your full attention around the breath. Following your in-breath all the way in. And your out-breath all the way out. Noticing where in your body you can feel your breath most vividly and resting it there. Whether that's in your nose or your chest or your belly. There's no right or wrong way to do this. We're just noticing. Just feeling each in-breath and each out-breath.
And then the third minute of this practice is expansion. So expanding your awareness beyond the breath to once again take in any thoughts that you're having, any emotions, any physical sensations in the body, as well as your breath. So asking yourself the question, what am I noticing right here, right now, in mind, in body, and in breath? Breathing with whatever is here. And whenever you're ready, you can open your eyes and bring your attention back out into the room around you. Hmm. What if I don't want to? (laughs) You don't have to. That is so relaxing. Just three minutes. Hmm. It's a quick reset for your nervous system. Too bad we can't hook my brain up to electrodes. I want to see what happened. It feels that yeah. good. You yeah. feel, I could even feel my shoulders relaxing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going into it, I'm thinking, okay, I'm relaxed, I'm relaxed. And my shoulders dropped. Mm-hmm. And most likely your blood pressure did come down. Your heart rate mm-hmm. probably did come down. If we had those kinds of moments in our day, just as it's required to take lunch, but going into a place of work, whether that's home or in an office building, brick and mortar, That should be a part of the work day. Absolutely. A lot of corporations, schools, sports teams are now integrating it into their day because they know that it helps. It helps you to focus better, helps you to be more productive, less stressed. It really did. I can feel the difference. So I am going to sum up your five takeaways for meditation and mindfulness. They are mindfulness is the practice of bringing your full attention into the present moment, being very intentional, and without judgment. There are many ways to practice mindfulness. This is number two, by the way, including meditation, where you intentionally tune inwards and focus on things like your breathing, your thoughts, what you're feeling in your body. And what I love you said, there is no wrong way. Number three, mindfulness can be used to manage stress and anxiety as well as acute and chronic pain. No matter how small the pain is, if you're feeling it all day long, it wears on you. Number four, calming the mind allows us to see life from a point of clarity. We observe ourselves going through life and we can respond to things with intention rather than react from fear. I love that one more than anything. I read that over and over yesterday. And then five, practicing meditation can help us be happier and reduce negativity as it increases the serotonin levels and acts as a natural antidepressant. Any last parting thoughts you want to share with us? I would just say, just to give it a try. If you've never done this, download an app, check it out on, there are lots of websites. Yeah. Or just sit and take a few deep breaths Mm. and notice what you feel. There's no bad place to start. Right. Start. Give it a try. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Yes. Now, 
To find out more about today's episode or our expert, you can access the show notes for this episode. Visit uchealth.org forward slash every. And remember, that's spelled E-V-R-E. And we, of course, would love to hear from you. Let us know if you have any questions on any of our episodes or suggestions for future episodes. Click on the Stay in Touch button at uchealth.org forward slash every, and you can send an email or even leave a voicemail for me. Thank you for joining us today. And please do not forget to subscribe, rate, and even review our podcast. You've got to share it as well, because the more we grow, the more we'll keep growing, ladies. You can get your podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere pretty much you get your podcast. Every is produced by UC Health. Until next time, have a good one, ladies.